chapter fifteen of dr luttrell's first patient by rosa newshet carey this librivox recording is in the public domain they were both to blame it befits a son to be dutiful to his father plautus as alwyn uttered these despairing words greta shrank back in alarm but olivia with a reassuring smile put her hand gently on his arm do not talk so wildly mr alwyn she said soothingly you are frightening poor miss williams how can you have killed your father when he is not dead my husband has only just left me he seems hopeful about him he thinks consciousness is returning but he must have perfect quiet even our voices may disturb him that is why i must beg you to come back with me at once you are not deceiving me mrs luttrell returned alwyn suspiciously you are sure that he is not dead quite sure she returned quietly and then again greta put out her hand you will come with us will you not alwyn she said with sisterly tenderness there is so much that i have to hear and that you must tell me and we must not talk here to think that we should have met like this by accident if there be such a thing as accident in this life of ours but no it was providence that brought me to this house and as olivia followed them down the dark shrubbery she could hear her quiet tones still talking as though to a younger brother olivia was too tired to do more than wonder vaguely as she listened the sight of her own little parlour and martha's sturdy figure arranging the tea-table gave her a pleasant revulsion of feeling when martha whispered confidentially as she brought in the lamp the seed-cake is nicely baked hadn't i better bring it in ma'am olivia gave a little hysterical laugh after all that tragedy it was so odd to think of freshly baked cakes yes yes and make the tea quickly she said waving off the little handmaiden impatiently and martha somewhat affronted and vaguely alarmed retreated to the kitchen what's come over the mistress she said to herself i have never known her so huffy but olivia with difficulty recovering her calmness busied herself in ministering to her guests mr alwyn she said gently you must rest on that couch you are just worn out but a cup of tea will do you good greta you must stop and have some too do you know this is the first time you have entered this house dot is asleep i am going up to see her now would you like to come too for she guessed intuitively that the girl was longing to question her and greta with a grateful look followed her at once olivia kissed the sleeping child with her usual tenderness how she longed to lie down beside dot and sleep off her overpowering weariness but the day's work was not over greta who had only just glanced at the little one put her arms suddenly round olivia and drew her down beside her mrs luttrell she said breathlessly tell me what it all means what has happened to alwyn and what makes him talk so strangely do you know for one moment i believed him in the old time they often quarrelled but of course it is paralysis and then olivia told her all that had occurred that afternoon greta listened with painful attention then her eyes filled with tears and he never knew that his mother and olive were dead she observed oh mrs luttrell how sad how terribly sad it all is no wonder he looked bewildered poor fellow it must have been such an awful shock to hear that and then to see his poor father fall at his feet 
yes and he had been ill too think of all the hardships he has been through and greta shivered as olivia said this how little i thought she said that when you were telling me about the poor young artist that dr luttrell had found on the doorstep on christmas night that it was alwyn gaythorne my old playmate and friend then she added with a sigh what would his poor mother have said she and olive almost worshipped that boy we ought not to leave him too long alone observed olivia wearily i promised my husband that i would look after him we must coax him to take some food and then he must go to bed he is very weak still and all this has exhausted him and as greta evidently shared her anxiety they went back to the parlour they found alwyn pacing the room restlessly he stopped and looked relieved as greta entered i was afraid you had gone he said abruptly do you know you passed me in the street this morning you had that thing on touching her sealskin mantle but you were not looking at me i thought it was a ghost and then i tried to follow you but some vehicles got in my way and then you disappeared i wish i'd seen you she said softly and then alwyn resumed his restless walk it was with difficulty that olivia could induce him to come to the table and then he could not eat his eyes looked feverishly bright and his cough made greta glance at him anxiously when tea was over olivia left the room for a little alwyn had utterly refused to go to bed until he had seen dr luttrell he was evidently tormented by remorse for his hardness to his father and olivia thought that he might unburden himself more freely to his old friend and she was right on her return she found them talking together and the strained hunted look had left alwyn's eyes greta's were swollen with weeping but there was a smile on her lips alwyn has been telling me his troubles she said simply and i could not help crying over them he has suffered so and i felt so sorry for him if only we had not gone abroad but when we came back the grange was empty and no one knew what had become of alwyn he had quarrelled with his father and it was supposed he had enlisted and gone to india and he had talked so often of doing this that i thought it was probably the truth now i must go but i shall come again to-morrow and then she smiled at him and rose from her seat he has talked it all out and it has done him good she observed as she and olivia lingered a moment in the passage but if his father dies alwyn will never get over it oh he is much to blame she went on he has been very wild very imprudent utterly mad and reckless but his poor father was to blame too a high-spirited lad like alwyn would not be kept in leading strings mr gaythorne was far too strict with him his own mother said so and yet in his way he loved him how often poor olive would cry about it to me dear dear olive how i loved her and i was very fond of mrs gaythorne too she was so sweet and motherly she always called us her big and her little daughter i was so much taller than olive but there interrupting herself if i begin talking about the old days at the grange i shall never finish but you will come to-morrow yes indeed how could i keep away do you know that for years alwyn and i were just like brother and sister i don't believe he cared much more for olive than he did for me i think i understood him better than she did his mother always said so well good-night dear mrs luttrell i shall come to-morrow as early as i can when olivia went back to the parlour she found alwyn lying back in his chair looking utterly spent and exhausted i believe i shall have to take your advice and go to bed he said all this has taken the starch out of me and i feel dead beat 
and he looked so ill that olivia half thought of sending for her husband fortunately he came in half an hour later and went up at once to alwyn's room he was some time with him and then he came down and told olivia that she had better fill a hot-water bottle and heat some flannel it is a sort of nervous attack he explained and his teeth are chattering with cold and he is shaking as though he were in an ague fit but i am going to mix him a composing draught and he will soon quiet down i have brought him a favourable report of mr gaythorne but he is too weak to be cheered by it this will have done him no end of harm we shall have him in bed for the next day or two olivia gave a tired sigh but she would not add to marcus's burdens by selfish complaints of her own fatigue she would have taken the eider-down off her own bed but marcus preferred borrowing a couple of blankets from mrs crampton in a few minutes he returned again laden with warm things that the housekeeper had sent for her young master's use and soothed by the unaccustomed comfort and the powerful narcotic alwyn sank into an exhausted sleep it was eleven o'clock before olivia could lay her own head on her pillow as dot nestled to her with a sleepy cry the young mother breathed her nightly thanksgiving for her two blessings and then knew no more until martha came to pull up her blinds in the morning when marcus came across for his breakfast he seemed in excellent spirits he had had three or four hours rest and in his opinion the stroke was a slight one mr gaythorne had regained consciousness and though the right arm and his speech were certainly affected he believed that it was only temporary mischief of course one knows at his age that it is the danger signal he went on but i hope with care that his life may be prolonged for years i shall get dr bevan to look at him as i do not care for such undivided responsibility and perhaps it will be well to have a nurse for a week or two mrs crampton is not as young as she was and it is a pity to knock her up as the day wore on there were still more cheering reports mr gaythorne had said a few words almost distinctly at least dr luttrell had understood him where is alwyn he was quite sure those were his words but he had seemed quite satisfied when marcus told him he was with his wife and had not spoken again olivia had hoped for a talk with aunt madge for it was quite three days since she had been round to mayfield villas but she found it impossible to leave the house alwyn needed a great deal of attention he was very low and depressed marcus had given orders that he was to have frequent nourishment and as mrs crampton had sent phoebe across with a store of good things soup and jelly and grapes there were no demands on olivia's simple larder a ready-cooked pheasant would be sent for his dinner and anything else that he could fancy mrs crampton says that she knows her master would approve so i suppose we need not be too scrupulous observed marcus but at that moment the surgery bell rang dr luttrell's services were required at number seventeen and with an expressive look at his wife marcus took up his hat and hastened out olivia had expected greta quite early but she did not make her appearance until late in the afternoon she had been detained she said nurse had asked her to take her place for a couple of hours and then she looked anxiously at olivia i am afraid alwyn is ill she observed but olivia assured her that it was only a temporary breakdown we have such good news of mr gaythorne that he cannot fail to be cheered but of course he is fretting about the loss of his mother and sister it was such a shock you see 
and as my husband says we must give him time to pull himself together but you do not look very well yourself greta you are terribly pale oh that is nothing she returned i suppose i was too much excited for i could not sleep for hours i seemed to be living through my old life again they were such happy days mrs luttrell one's existence was not meagre and colourless then i wish you would tell me a little about it all observed olivia as she ensconced greta in the most comfortable chair you cannot imagine how it interests me and then miss williams smiled oh you are so sympathetic that is your great charm but indeed i love to dwell on that part of my life you know the gaythornes lived at medlicott grange it was a quaint picturesque old house covered with ivy and with a lovely garden there was a lime walk that was delicious on hot summer afternoons i can smell the limes now mr gaythorne who had been abroad a great many years had taken a fancy to the place and half thought of buying it but he changed his mind later we lived at the lodge a much smaller house looking over the village green it was rather an inconvenient house full of small rooms all opening out of each other and long rambling passages but dear mother and i were very fond of it we liked the three-cornered little drawing-room with its bay-window where we could sit and work and watch the old men in their grey smocks having a palaver under the big elm in the centre of the green mrs luttrell interrupting herself do you know ivy dean lodges to let now i saw the advertisement in the standard now i should love to live there again if anything happened to poor father i know i should go back there it is the only place i ever called home don't you love a village green with geese waddling over it and a big pond where little bare-legged urchins are always sailing their boats and then the church and the lich gate and the vicarage smothered in creepers why greta what a charming description you quite make me long to see it but it is not as charming as it really is even strangers allow that mendlicott is a pretty village it is true that ivy dean has not much of a garden just a little patch of lawn and a mulberry tree and a flower-bed or two but as i spent most of my time in the grange garden that did not matter dear mother was always so unselfish she would never let me stay at home with her she thought it good for me to be with young people of my own age and so olive and alwyn and i were always together olive was my friend but i always looked upon alwyn as a dear younger brother he is not really much younger only a few months but i was always a little older than my age he must have been very handsome observed olivia and greta coloured slightly yes all the gaythornes were handsome mr gaythorne himself was a fine stately-looking man only a little foreign and unusual in his dress i was always a little afraid of him and i never approved of the way he treated alwyn he had been overindulged and petted in his boyhood but later on his father thwarted him unnecessarily he was always calling him to account for some foolish imprudence and though his mother and olive shielded him as much as possible there were often sad scenes at the grange mr gaythorne had set his heart on alwyn's reading for the bar he thought he had sufficient money and influence to warrant the hope that his only son might eventually enter parliament but alwyn had already secretly determined to be an artist he detested his law studies and could not be induced to work and spoilt all his father's plans as i told you last night finished greta they were both to blame but at the time i could not help taking alwyn's part 
he was not good to his father and often lost his temper and said disrespectful things but mr gaythorne had no right to be so tyrannical when my mother died father would not hear of our living at ivy dean he said he hated the place and we went to america for a year or two and there i heard of olive's death olive had told me in her letters of alwyn's disappearance there has been an awful scene she wrote poor dear mother has been so ill father thinks that alwyn has done something very wrong but of course neither mother nor i believe it for a moment though it cannot be denied that appearances are terribly against him forgive me dear greta if i do not enlarge on this painful subject we do not know what has become of alwyn but we think he has enlisted this was the last letter i received from olive before many months had passed she died at rome and her mother did not long survive her End of chapter fifteen